what makes us as parents want to go back a little bit to doing what's easy or giving in is the hopelessness that sometimes comes when it feels like this will never end. So if you can hang on to it does end, that makes a real difference. And there's a big difference between the parent who gets down at eye level again when there's a fit happening and helps them work through it and process those feelings. And again, it's so much on you. It's the I do it. You're telling them, it looks like you're really frustrated and you're saying all of that. And they're maybe not, they're maybe barely participating. But that is so important because if you can hang on to the kernel of hope, this part does pass. It makes a difference. Okay, I'm willing to do that one more time and again and again. Welcome to Raising Adults, the groundbreaking parenting podcast that starts with the end in mind. We're your co-hosts, Dina Thayer and Kira Dorian. We created future-focused parenting to take families from surviving to thriving. So join us as we help you stop raising kids and start raising adults. Well, hello, FFPs, and welcome back to another episode of Raising Adults. I am Kira Dorian. Dina Thayer is my co-host over there, and we are so excited to have you with us today for yet another episode of Season 5. Um, we're going to be starting a really cool series uh, today, and for the next three weeks, we're really going to be breaking down the different stages of parenting and talking about what does it mean to be a future-focused parent in each of those stages, and what are the things you should be thinking about and considering, and and how does that apply, and, and how different they look between each phase. And really, what we're going to talk about is I do it, we do it, you do it, which we talk about all the time on the show for chores, but it applies to this too. So before we dive in, though, I'm going to say hi to my amazing co-host. Hello, Dina. How hi, are you? Kira. I am well, thank you. Glad to be here with you in my my cozy environment. She can it, see it, me now. We have I our cameras know. on today, so that's kind of fun. But I'm yeah. like definitely up against the slanted ceiling. I look a little bit funny, like Alice in Wonderland when she's like in the house and she's way too big for it after drinking the <laughs> potion. That's how I feel. That is exactly <laughs> how you look. You just need a little like muffin that says "Eat me." And yeah, you're teeny, there you go. Yeah, that's <laughs> the only so thing true. that's missing. It's so funny because, listeners, you probably don't know this, but you know we've been recording remotely and you know that Dina's in her coat closet and I'm in my laundry room, but um, we've always recorded just audio. We've never been able to see each other. We've been perfectly capable of doing it that way. It just never occurred to us to turn our cameras on. <laughs> so today we're actually going to like see each other. It's almost like you're right here with me. I love it. Yes. Today it occurred to us. We're we're late. We're we're late to the party, but here we are. <laughs> Look, we've been clear from the beginning that technology is not really for either of us so not really the strength no. of this duo we've got a lot of other strengths yeah technology is not, things like it. you could turn your camera on is not one of them no no I mean I'm not sure how we missed that but hey <laughs> here we are we can see each other you can hear us all of you so we're good yeah much better so let's talk about this so we've got three weeks to talk about these different developmental stages and and how actually as a parent you develop, right? Like we are developing as a parent and changing the role that we have and the way that we have to be future focused is actually slightly different between each of these different things. So today we're talking about zero to five. So we're going to talk about babies, toddlers, preschoolers, and what does it look like to be future focused 
during that season of parenting, which in my humble opinion is the hardest season, mm-hmm. um, though I haven't done teens yet. So report back to me or I'll report <laughs> back to you. Um, <laughs> but but we kind of decided that instead of having our individual whys today, we're really going to just talk about what is the future focused parenting why in this season? Mm-hmm. What's the thing we really need to be thinking about? So Dina, do you want to kind of share what we came up with? Yeah, I think the main thing we want to kind of encapsulate and share with you is this is where you lay the foundation for your future-focused parenting journey. If you're fortunate enough to have littles and already be listening to the show and, and kind of know the philosophy, this is where you do that. I think even if you're entering the future-focused parenting mindset later, there's still room for you to grow and develop and lay that foundation as a parent. But if you're fortunate enough to have small people This is where you not only lay the foundation of how you're parenting with empathy and emotional intelligence while still having boundaries, you're also laying the foundation for what are you like as a future-focused parent. So there's a lot of chance here in this season with zero to five for you to practice and get used to things like the vocabulary around future-focused parenting and around emotional intelligence. Things like how do you flex the muscles of starting to hand your children privileges coupled with responsibility and what that looks like. So this is a developmental phase, but it really does lay the foundation for those other age ranges and how you develop as a parent, I think, as well. Yeah. And I think you're also getting to practice making the choice that's best instead of what's easiest. In some ways, that is like extra heightened in this phase, right? It is. Because it Mm -hmm. is so much easier to give your kid a lollipop at six o'clock in the morning because they're screaming for a lollipop. You know, it's right in your face in a very different way than when they're older. And so it's a very heightened opportunity and and you're going to get that wrong sometimes and that's okay too. But this is kind of where you you practice that. I think that's exactly right. There's There's something about the choosing what's expedient that is really easy to grab with youngers. I think of it mostly like with crying or yeah. tantruming behavior, how how easy it is to go, what do I do to make it stop rather than how do I actually work through it so that skills are developed for both me and my child? Yes. Oh, that's exactly it because you're both developing skills. You're developing skills as a parent. They're developing skills as a young person growing into, you know, becoming who they're going to be. And you need to be working on that at this time so that when you get to the next phase, the we do it phase, everyone has some muscles, right? Everybody kind of knows how to use them, which is not to say we talk about this a lot. Like it's never too late to do this. It's just like Dina was saying, if you're listening to this and you happen to have five and under, you have an opportunity to build those muscles at a younger age and reap the benefits a little bit sooner, right? That's right. Yeah, that's exactly it. So what we thought we'd do is break even this phase into those smaller chunks. So we're going to start by talking about, you know, what might this look like with infants? And then we'll look at toddlers and then preschoolers. So if you have children those ages, we're not assuming zero to five is one lump. Obviously, a huge amount of developmental growth and change happens there and happens for us as parents too. So we'll start with we'll start with the babies and and what does this even look like? And I know it will come as no surprise to anyone that one of the first ways I think about this is around creating routine and rhythm. And that is one of the ways you also will establish things like setting up 
Who's the Boss, which is a great episode. I would refer you to if you have not listened to it yet. It's it's all about what is the difference between what we often think of with that authoritarian type of parenting versus this team dynamic, but I'm the team captain. And I think one of the ways we become the team captain very early on is helping set up you know, healthy rhythms for our, our baby's day. When do we sleep? When do we eat? You know, all of that kind of stuff. So that I know that's one thing that comes to mind for me that has a very lasting kind of lesson effect, which is it's a lesson in, oh, I'm, I'm the parent. I, I can make these decisions. But it also helps your baby learn to trust you and get into a nice routine. And we are big fans of other routines, which if you've been a listener for any length of time, you know. So that's that's definitely one way, but I know that there's others. So it's just something that of course pops to my mind quickly as a sleep person. <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think this is a time in infancy where you're setting a tone. Another thing I love about this time, and then I'm really going to stop talking and let Kira say something, is vocabulary. This is a great time as you're talking to your baby. I mean, a lot of people like to narrate the day anyway for their children, which is really helpful for them in terms of absorbing language. But it's also a chance for you to practice the emotional intelligence vocabulary. Even if you say, say you get bit during a nursing session, you know, the way you talk about that really impacts how you handle redirection later. So I think this is a a wonderful time for developing, getting your mouth used to the vocabulary for parenting with empathy too. Yeah, that's you totally said my first point. So I won't I won't even bother to repeat it. But yes, I completely agree with you that this is this is just a really low stakes place to practice. Because if you get it wrong or you miss an opportunity to talk about, oh, I can see you're feeling sad or I can see you're feeling frustrated or whatever. It doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter if you get that wrong. But what an amazing opportunity to just start to flex the muscles of that coming out of your mouth in the moment, right? Exactly. Um, and I totally agree about setting the routine or whatever that is for your house. You might not be a routine-oriented home. That's okay. But really setting the expectation for this is how our house runs, runs. whatever that is for you. Whatever it looks like. Right. how it goes. But with some intention and proactive thinking and a future-focused mentality, mm-hmm. absolutely. I think that's I yeah. think that's key. And I think bringing it back to what we say all the time of being future-focused, uh, thinking and getting a chance to practice, hey, you know, actually the decisions I make around sleep do impact the two-year-old, the five-year-old, the nine-year-old. The decisions I make around food do impact the two-year-old, the five, you know, all those kinds of yeah. things. But again, in this low stakes way of I, this is a chance for me to practice and build up the muscles that I'm going to need, but I still want to do the best I can to make the choices that are best instead of the ones that are most expedient because I'm looking to the future and how is that going to pan out? So yes. In some ways, it's like take the pressure off of yourselves in this phase and know that this is a time of a lot of freedom, actually, Mm -hmm. to get it wrong because the ramifications aren't going to be as big as they are going to be later. So use this as a time to practice, but practice with intention. It's not the same as saying, oh, this time doesn't is irrelevant and therefore I'm not going to do anything. It's just the opposite. It's like, oh, I want to take all my things and be intentional about them, but I can be really gentle with myself and loving and forgiving when I get it wrong because the stakes are lower. Yes. There's a lot of room for mistakes that won't be remembered by your small person. Exactly. So that is that is great. So I would say if you're looking for a deeper dive into those things we just talked about, I mentioned who's the boss. I think the episode on sleep is great. Again, 
if you're not a routine oriented person, totally fine. We're all about thinking, you know, future focused parenting can be for anyone. You can be intentionally not a routine person as long as you do that on purpose and you know what it's going to look like instead. But I think that sleep episode could be helpful. And then something that we talked about in a past episode that you can lay the foundation for in infancy is manners because we talked about sign language. So I think referring to that manners episode could be good here too. But Kira is exactly right. It doesn't mean this this stage doesn't matter. In fact, again, I would use the word fortunate. If you're listening to this and you have a baby, you are fortunate because you get a chance to get used to this before it is a lot trickier and 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 where you're going to get somebody responding to you and maybe mm-hmm. having some big feelings about the words you're choosing to use <laughs> that you've already practiced. So yes. hooray for you if you have a baby and are getting started nice and early. Well, and that thought segues us really nicely into the toddler years. It does. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So the toddler years, this is, in my opinion, such an amazing opportunity to lay groundwork actually in a way that's not the same as the baby phase because you can use all the emotional intelligence words you want when they're babies and yes that's going to go in and yes you're developing a skill but actually in those toddler years this is where they start to really absorb it and so even if you're not going to see the benefits right then and there you might you might start to see some things um but this is where you're really setting that tone for what are my expectations of you? How do I expect you to behave, treat people? You know, how do I expect you to share? And again, they're not going to get it right all the time and it's not going to look perfect by any means. But you creating consistency at this age is essential, 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 essential. And so thinking along those lines of this is a great time, like totally age appropriate for kids to hit, right? We talked about this on an episode recently, for them to, even without meaning to, flail, right? The, what did I call it? Developmentally appropriate limb flailing. flailing. (laughs) Limb flailing. Yes, that's right. But as a parent, just to give a cogent example, as a parent, each and every time we should be saying, oh, we use gentle touch, right? That's not telling them they did anything wrong or bad. It's letting them know what we expect of their flailing, right? Of their limbs. Your limbs should be using gentle touch. I'm just letting you know. If you are laying that foundation at that toddler age, you're going to reap the benefits of that sooner and see that shift and change sooner because you've been consistent in this phase. So this phase is really, I think, the hardest, in my humble opinion. This is the hardest phase and, and also a really important one. Well, and what makes it so hard is what you just said. And I'm appreciative that you brought it up for two reasons. You said consistency. So it's hard, but important because it also, this is the phase, in my opinion, where you're teaching your child that what they can expect from you. Yes. Well said. I know my mom or dad, they're going to do it the same way every time. Oh, my arm went out, whacked my sibling or the pet. I know there's going to be an intervention. They might not be thinking that consciously, but they're learning that, oh, oh, they do this the same way every time. Why that is hard is that is exhausting. The same way this, is the, this is the broken record season of parenting. Yeah. That's what I call it. You will feel like, have I not already said that 300 times today? And I'm not exaggerating. There's times where I was pretty sure some of my instructions went into the hundreds, but on those specific issues. And I think hitting was a great example. Hitting is one of them. It does have to be every time. And there's some where you're going to admit, I'm too tired. I'm, I'm, I'm letting, I'm letting it go that they're dragging their stuffed animal on the floor and it's getting dirty. 
I'm letting it go. But hitting is not one of those. So that's exhausting for a parent. That's the same thing over and over and over ad nauseum. And I think that's why consistency is so important, but there's two pieces of it, right? You've got to teach your children that can trust you while acknowledging, okay, you're going to be doing the same thing a lot in this season. Well, and this is, yeah, it's it's hard. It's a lot. And this is why we've called this particular episode, the I do it episode. Because it is all on you. Your kids aren't going to yeah. show up for this yet. They will. You're going to reap all the benefits of that next week. But <laughs> in next week's episode. But in this episode, this is the I do it portion of the show. I'm the one using the vocabulary. I'm the one making the choice that's hard. I'm the one, right, being consistent. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. It's the I do it, I do it, I do it. But the goal is to get to we do it. And I think if I could even give myself as a parent advice looking backwards, I wish I had truly understood that that toddler season is a season. Yes. And if I had just kind of gone in with like a a little bit more of a like, this is a couple years, which is, by the way, a really long time. Okay. Like, especially in parenting when you're like Let's up at night, that. you know, a long time. two years is really four years because you're up 24 hours a day, essentially do being a parent. But understanding that this is just for a short period of time and I'm playing, playing the long game, that, that idea of being future focused, that's the thing you hold on to in this phase. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's your cornerstone. I think that is so important because what makes us as parents want to go back a little bit to doing what's easy or giving in is the hopelessness that sometimes comes when it feels like this will never end. Yes. So if you can hang on to it does end. And how do you want it to end? What do you want it to look like when it ends? That's right. And there's a big difference between the parent who gets down at eye level again when there's a it happening and helps them work through it and process those feelings. And again, it's so much on you. It's the, I do it. You're telling them, it looks like you're really frustrated and you're saying all of that. And they're maybe not, they're maybe barely participating, but that is so important because if you can hang on to the kernel of hope, this part does pass. It makes a difference. Okay. I'm willing to do that one more time and again and again. Well, and as we talk about all the time, If you are able to hang on to that and continue to do this work, guess what? It's actually going to pass faster. Faster. So you got to ask yourself, am I willing to do the short-term pain for the long-term gain? Because you will get there faster. Your kids will get there faster Mm -hmm. if you're doing this work. Now, can you get it there every single time? No. There are going to be days where you're like, "Mm -mm, (laughs) no. But if you're really clear on your why... And you're really clear on your values, which is why Dina and I talk about this all the time. If you have not sat down and figured out your family values, if you've not figured out your overarching why, this season's a lot harder because you're not really sure why you're doing what you're doing and you're not attached to it. So get attached to your why and then hold on tight, my friends. For dear life. For dear life (laughs) as you plunge through toddlerhood. Because I promise you, you'll get out the other side faster if you've done that. And it will be worth it. It will be so unbelievably worth it. Yeah. I think the parents who do this and do it consistently and embrace the hard, that short-term hard, really do see the rewards faster. They, they're they're going to have that moment of like, oh, they are getting it sooner. Yes. Than well, and, and, and I think I would argue they even start to see it in this next 
phase that we're going to talk about. I agree. Right? So yep. I think parents that maybe don't have an opportunity to do this or aren't, you know, feeling capable of it or don't even know to do it, they're maybe seeing some of those benefits paying off next week's episode. But I think if you can do this earlier, you're going to start to even see the benefits in the preschool years. I think that's so true. So we should probably talk about what Let's that Let's talk looks about like. the preschool years. Yeah, because I know this is where I started to see some of, some of the fruit. Yeah. And you're transitioning here from I do it to we do it, mm-hmm. right? This is, and I think we will find this with every episode, that at the tail end of one phase, you're really starting to feel like you're moving into to the, the other phase, right? They and really overlap. It's they a, do. It's a, it's a definite overlap. You're going to see some maturity in certain areas where it's like, oh, they still seem kind of back in this last phase and other areas. So that's really true. Yeah. And I think in the preschool years, we start to see them be able to move to we do it. So sometimes I'm still having to name it or sometimes I'm still having to redirect or, um, you know, make a, a help them make a course correction or whatever. But sometimes they're actually managing to do it themselves. And that's so rewarding. And so it also becomes as a future focused parent, how do I lean into that and help mm-hmm. them recognize and feel empowered by all the ways that they are doing these things themselves and also understand that my job, my I do it piece isn't quite over yet yeah. and not expect that we're fully into we do it because we're not. <laughs> no, there's still going to be a lot of I. And and if parents are looking, I just want to give a couple practical ways this might look because I do sometimes hear frustration, even from coaching clients and just families who are like, well, I'm, I'm like trying to start to hand it off and, and I'm getting nothing. I'm kind of getting nothing. And it can feel like you're in that echo chamber. You're like putting things out into the ether and you're like, are any of these noodles sticking to the wall? So a, a couple good ways you can kind of test this that are a little bit lower stakes instead of just encouraging them to walk through handling big feelings, or if they do have a sibling, if you're trying to let them problem solve and they're not quite ready, a couple things that are great in the preschool phase that are still laying a foundation, but letting them get ready to try on the, we do it. One is having them repeat after you. So you're actually still providing that vocabulary, but letting them practice it in their mouth and practice saying it. That's really great, especially for sibling problem solving. If they can practice, I'm sorry, I took the toy without asking. And now you say that, you know, Mm -hmm, like give them mm -hmm. that chance. So repeating can be really good. And another one is questions around naming the emotion is where we used this a lot. I would maybe start, it looks like you might be feeling fill in the blank. What, what do you feel? And then they might actually correct me. Oh, actually I'm, I'm not frustrated. I'm all the way to angry, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's great for them to practice. So some gentle questions can help. So those are just two things that kind of can ease them in so that you don't feel like, hey, I'm trying to get to we do it faster than I should and getting nothing back. This lets them kind of try it on a little bit before moving into that phase we're going to talk more about next week. Yeah. And I think this is really the age where when we think about the funnel that we talk about, where we're increasing responsibility and freedom, preschool is that age where you can really start to do that. Yes. Right. You can go, hey, you're actually perfectly capable of doing X, Y, or Z. You could clear yes. your dishes or make your bed or whatever it is. And guess what? I'm going to give you that little bit more freedom and they start to begin that process that we talk about all the time. And that's a good a good point. This is a great time for things like starting chores. Mm-hmm. So then you can start tying some of that responsibility to privilege. If you haven't listened to the chores episode, that's a great one as well. And 
I think though, even in this phase we're talking about today, some of this can start all the way back in infancy. You know, one-year-olds can start to, you know, can you bring me the white shirt, you know, while you're sorting laundry? Or can you bring two socks? I mean, now they're also learning colors and numbers. So that's like win-win, right? You're getting, you're starting to like get the idea of helping with household responsibilities, but they're learning at the same time. So this would be a great, this zero to five is a great time to lay those foundations. And the preschool years are where they can actually have things they're fully responsible for, where you're not giving the instruction in the moment, you know, can you bring me the toy, that kind of thing. But I, I would argue you can start that very early in this phase. Oh, absolutely. And I think the the preschool, it, it's like you almost start to see puzzle pieces come together in those preschool years, right? Like, okay, everything I've been doing back here is now coming toward this thing of they're now going to school a little bit and they're starting to assert a little, you know, their independence and all of that. And we can start this this dynamic that we talk about all the time of, you know, increasing responsibility and privileges. I do want to say one thing about, I can't remember if we've talked about this on the show before or not. And even if we have, it bears repeating. Let's talk about the word redirection because that is a really common word that I hear a lot at this Mm -hmm. age, especially the preschool, toddler preschool. Like, oh, don't discipline redirect. Don't discipline redirect. And don't you think it's a bit like resilience where I think people mean one thing and we actually would probably say something else entirely? (laughs) Well, I think what, what I think most people think of for redirection is distraction, yeah, and that's and not that's it. not what we mean when we say redirection. Nope. So redirection for us is actually about we're seeing maybe a behavior or a choice that we don't think is okay, and we are going to coach them and redirect them to hear the healthy, positive ways that you can express that feeling that's that you exactly can it. right. So we're we are redirecting them toward the appropriate choice, not here's a shiny thing, I'm going to distract you and you've learned nothing. So I just think that's a really important distinction that at this age we hear, much like resilience, I'm so glad you said that, we we hear this misused all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was important And it happens, I think, the most in this phase because with a toddler, you think, oh, if I just put the toy in front of them, they'll forget that they're trying to steal this toy over here instead of getting down walking through how we share, all that. I mean, that is more work. Again, this is the I do it phase for the parent. Like we're not glossing over that. It's hard. But that is very different than I just got your mind off of that. You actually learned, didn't learn anything. Mm-hmm. It, that's very different. So this is actual redirection. I wish you could have seen Kira's hands because as she was describing it, her hands were literally like turning the corner, like <laughs> making a course correction over here. It was like there was a bend in the river. It was the river bend. So it's really, but that is true. That's an important distinction because yeah. this is a season where you're going to have to do some, this is where you start the the training of processing feelings. and mm-hmm. And what do we do when there's a behavior that Maybe we as parents don't love to see, and but we want to teach them, here's the behavior that would be okay. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not the same as distraction, which I think is, you're, you're right. It's how a lot of people, unfortunately, use redirection or it's what they think of, kind of what first comes to mind. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So before we wrap up, should we give listeners a little preview of like, here's what you can look forward to, though, for the We Do It portion of the show, which is coming for you next week, because next week yes. we're going to talk about five to 10. So we're doing zero to five today and then five to 10 next week, those elementary years. So what is joyful coming for the, because we've, we've really said, this is the hard part, guys. (laughs) Here's one of my favorite things that's coming for you. The ability to say, 
I think you have all the tools you need to handle that. Yes. Why don't you go give it a try? Now, (laughs) it doesn't mean you don't add. If you get stuck, (laughs) please come and get me. You got to still be available because we're moving into the we do it. It's collaborative. But getting to start with, I think you have what you need to give this a try by yourself first, at least letting them try on that stuff. And that is joyous because also the times they don't have to come back and get you. They did work through that big feeling or they did go and problem solve with their sibling and they didn't reappear. (laughs) Cue the choir. (laughs) Totally. Oh, I completely. So that's one that I think of. What about you? I think the thing uh, that was one for me. And then the other thing that comes to mind is what's beautiful about the, the five to 10 and the we do it is if you have been fortunate enough to lay a groundwork in this early phase, you start to be able to have really good conversations with your kids and be a part of their problem solving really easily because they can communicate with you. Here's what's going on for me. Here's what happened. You can ask questions. They can engage with it. Like You've laid a foundation for that collaborative processing, and then you start to see that. And and as a parent, for me, I, I felt really empowered. Like I really helped my child figure something out in that moment. So there's something, you know, if their brain development and their ability at that age to then take everything that they've learned and apply it to a conversation with you that I just found to be so rewarding. Well, and thank you for that, because that goes to what I was saying earlier that happens in this phase, if you're fortunate enough to be here. And that is you you get to those kind of conversations because they've learned to trust how you're yes. going to respond to things and they know what they can expect from you. And yep. then that feels really safe. Exactly. So that is Yay. beautiful. So that's, that's coming for you. So it's if coming. You, if you're listening to this and you've got littles five and under, guess what? The next phase, it's it's nicer than this one, in my opinion. <laughs> if There's you're other white-knuckling, hard things. Yeah. yeah, if you're out there white-knuckling it, Good things are coming. That's right. And some people, I mean, there's so many beautiful things in the zero to five as well. There's stuff I really miss about zero to five. Um, oh, but I think in terms of the the future focused piece, the having to do what's hard, having to make the best choice. Um, Not the easy one. Yeah, that weighs yeah, pretty heavy, heavy in this phase. Yeah. Um, you also have cute little chubby wrists that fold overhead. Oh. So, you know, it's worth yes. it because of the thighs. Yes. The thighs. And watching them become little people, like just like. The, the growth and development in this phase is the biggest. You know, you go from they are really not capable of doing anything to like walking, talking, having oh an opinion gosh. about stuff, being little. You start to figure out what they're interested in. It is so fun. I remember so, everybody great. saying like, oh, no, you know, once they're once they're up, upright. And I loved when they went upright because I literally watched my kids go from like they knew everything on the level of the floor. And Mm. then suddenly it was like, I've never seen this part of the wall before. (laughs) They were just so happy, like looking at the wall. So there's lots of joy in this phase too. But I think on the whole, the future focused parenting part of this phase can feel really hard. And so we just wanted to make sure we talk about it. So next week, we will talk about five to 10. And what does future focused parenting look like from five to 10? And what does that we do it phase look like when we're coming out of it all being on us, but still we're really very needed and really need to be a part of that because as Dina said, it's collaborative. So be sure to join us next week. If you know anybody who would benefit from listening to this episode who does have littles and wants to start their future-focused parenting journey now and wants to be with us for the next few weeks as we talk about the whole trajectory, please do share this episode with them and let them know that we're here and we have lots of ideas for them to try. And if you haven't yet followed us on the many places that we are, please do. We are at Future Focused Parenting on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And we are at 
capital F, capital F, underscore parenting, FF parenting on Twitter. You can always check out our website, which is futurefocusedparenting.com. If you're new to the show and you have not yet signed up for our newsletter, you get those uh, freebies. You get a calendar of character traits, which is great if you've got littles and you're wanting to start to set this foundation young of developing kids of character. And you get a video called Three Essential Strategies for Raising Adults. You can do that by going to our website or going to bit.ly slash Raising Adults Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review and follow us on your favorite podcast app. And we very much look forward to being back with you next week. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian and Dina Thayer and recorded partially in my laundry room and partially in Dina's coat closet. Music by Seattle band Hannah Lee and editing by the amazing Allison Preisinger. Thanks for listening.